Um, so I just pray that this message blesses you. Uh, I am one of these strange people that likes genealogies. You're going, oh, I skip past those in the Bible. No, I think they're amazing. They're fascinating. Um, my mother-in-law is into this too. Um, just to know, you know, where we've come from and the legacy uh, that we leave. I love programs like Lost and Found. I binge-watched um, Lomas, Mr. Lomas, can't remember his name, um, David, um, because I'm fascinated where through new technologies, science and DNA, they can help discover where people have come from. And it really touches my heart, and you'll understand why when I share a story at the end, um, but you see people that are lost and they find their center, they find their focus, they find Fano, and it's beautiful to watch. And I just wanted today, I want to share with you five women that find themselves in the lineage, the legacy of Jesus. Uh, many years ago, one of my favorite Christian authors, Francine Rivers, she wrote a book called The Lineage of Grace. Um, fictional, but based on the, these five women. And I want to share a message with you today, because these women did not live perfect lives. <laughs> Far from it. Uh, but you know what? Although these stories are actually a bit painful and a bit hard to read, they're important because I believe it speaks to us that God extends his unlimited grace to those who will surrender their lives to him. Last week, we saw four people say yes to Jesus. Uh, we saw, we've seen six people baptized today. This is great. God is a God of the generations. Um, someone was praying in our prayer meeting this morning and, and spoke a word that God is a God of details. Yes, in my heart, I'm going, yes, there's a reason that uh, we have uh, the genealogies in the Bible. And I want to read from Matthew uh, chapter 1. For time's sake, I've taken out some of the names, so do forgive me for that. But please go back and read Matthew chapter 1. Matthew uh, is writing to the Jewish culture. He connects the Old Testament to the New. And the very first thing he does is he starts with a genealogy. He records the ancestors of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that he mentions five women. So you can follow along with me. Uh, this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Verse 3, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Verse 5, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. In verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is the Messiah. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your beautiful presence. Thank you for being able to gather together as your people to lift up your name, Jesus, high in this place. I thank you that you are a God of the generations. May we be people who share with our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren the mighty works that you have done. And may we be people like David who will serve you in our generation, Lord. And I thank you for these women that are mentioned and they're mentioned on purpose. And may we learn from their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible is full of many interesting characters. Have you found that? 
<laughs> they're um, full of people you kind of wouldn't expect to be in there. You know, uh, like they wouldn't be out of place in a reality TV show. Uh, the Kardashians, Big Brother. Um, the Hall of Faith could easily be seen as the Hall of Failure, but for the grace of God. It is so true. And in this passage, it's really interesting that Matthew didn't actually need to record these women's names. It was quite uh, unusual um, to find ancient Jewish genealogies that recorded the names of women. But I believe they're there for a reason. They're there because God is a God of details. And uh, if this was me, uh, some of these stories, I would honestly glue shut would like conveniently, like maybe misplace them. <laughs> but God doesn't. This is his whānau. This is his family album. And he proudly displays. This is. These are my sons and my daughters. And this is my uh, generational blessing and inheritance that flows right from Abraham through to David, right through to the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. God loves to take ordinary, sinful people, and he loves to do something extraordinary with their lives. That is the God of grace that we serve. And so I want to share quickly, I'm a girl, I can talk fast, so we've got five women to get through. I want to talk about the legacy that they leave and a lesson that we can learn from their lives. So are you ready? Okay, first one is Tamar. And I believe Tamar leaves for us a legacy of hope. She leaves for us a legacy of hope. Now, Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah, and she was married to his first son, who died. And then uh, she was given to the next eldest son, because in Jewish ancient times, that was what they did, so that Tamar could receive the inheritance from the oldest dead brother. Like, that's what they did. Well, he died too. Uh, they, he, they weren't good men. Let's just put it that way. And so... <laughs> You read the story, Genesis chapter 38. I'm giving a quick summation. Um, yeah, so Genesis 38. So Judah promises his youngest son, okay, to Tamar, but he had no intention of keeping that promise. And so Tamar finds herself in a predicament and she made a choice. She dressed as a prostitute and she tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her. I know. See, did I tell you? Probably seal shut. <laughs> but this is what happened. It's in the Word of God. And, uh, you know, Tamar suffered the horrible pain of abuse, if you read her story, shame and rejection from those closest to her who should have been protecting her. And when Judah learns the truth of what had happened, because Tamar had Judah's signet ring, his cord, and his staff, and this is what it says in Genesis 38, 26, Judah recognized them immediately and said, she is more righteous than I am because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son, Shalah. And Judah never slept with Tamar again. And you know, Tamar had twins, and it was her son, Perez, that continued the line of Judah in the lineage of Jesus. You know, through the pain and rejection that she experienced, and even when she took matters into her own hands, I believe she had an unwavering hope in the goodness of God, that where promises had been broken to her, she trusted that God was good and that he keeps his promises. And so I believe we can learn from Tamar's life that very simple truth, God keeps his promises. We serve a faithful God. The next woman in the lineage of Christ is a woman called Rahab. 
Rahab, and I believe that she leaves us a legacy of faith. She too was a Canaanite woman. She was outside of any uh, of redemption or, uh, I guess, you know, a save, a save the God who saves. And she led a life of compromise. She lived in a town called Jericho. You might have heard this story. Jericho was going to receive uh, and experience God's judgment. And Rahab was a prostitute whose house was on the wall of the city that was going to fall down. But Rahab was bold. And she had incredible faith. And she put demands on God, even though she knew her race and her moral lifestyle would exclude her. Rahab, she hid the spies. The story tells us that Joshua sent to spy out the land. And uh, she asked and pleaded for her salvation. I believe Rahab knew that her past could have disqualified with her, could have disqualified her, but she trusted in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to save her and her family. Rahab is a woman who's mentioned in the Hall of Fame. Hebrews 11:31 says it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city and refused to obey God for she had given the spies a friendly welcome. Wow, she's mentioned twice more in the in the New Testament. And I love that there's a scarlet thread or a scarlet um, cord that hung from her window. It helped the spies escape, but that scarlet thread actually stayed there on God's judgment. And so that her and her household were saved. And it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for each one of us. You know, the decisions you make today actually have eternal consequences for the future generations that follow you. My grandmother and my grandfather, they didn't know Jesus. And, uh, but what happened is that God was stirring something in my grandma, who's still alive, she's 90. And uh, many years ago, she sent her four children, one of which was my mum, to a little open brethren church down south. And they would pick up the kids every week for church. It was amazing. And one day, my mum, when she was 11, she went to an every girl's rally camp and she made a decision to follow Jesus. And over time, all of my mum's family, including my granddad, he took some time. We know sometimes, you know, things take time, but they got saved and they got baptized. And I stand here today as a result of a decision my mum made when she was 11 and a decision my grandma made to send her children to church. You know, I love that Mike and I, our children are the fourth generation now on my mother's side to be raising our children in God's ways. And I believe a lesson we can learn from Rahab is that our past does not determine our future. Amen. God is far more interested in our future than he is in our past. And we can make decisions today. We can be like Rahab and be men and women of faith. I love that. Well, the next person in the lineage of Jesus is closely connected to Rahab, and it's Ruth. And I believe Ruth leaves a legacy of devotion. She too um, was outside of God's um, genealogy. She herself was a Moabite woman. The story um, can be found in the, in the Old Testament book of Ruth. She has a, whole, has a whole book to her story, and I encourage you to read it. It's a great story. Uh, in Ruth, it talks about um, in the time of Judges, God was uh, disciplining and he was, it was a tough time, a time of violence and idolatry. You see, Ruth married into a, a Hebrew family. Elimelech and Naomi had left Bethlehem because of a famine and they moved their whole family 
Uh, and, the, and their two sons married Moabite women, one of which was Ruth. But very sadly, they all died. All died. Father-in-law, husband, and brother-in-law. So here we have three women left in a destitute uh, and I guess a place where they had no connection to an inheritance. They were outside of the possibility of a relationship with God. But Ruth was a woman of loyalty and devotion and she chose to leave her old life behind and she chose to not be bound by her past or her culture. I love, and these quite famous words, maybe you've heard them at a wedding. Ruth 1, 1, 16 to 17, but Ruth replied to her mother-in-law, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. When you die, I will die wherever, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if anything but death was to separate us. I'm like, wow, that is a woman of loyalty, of love, and of kindness. And God honored her. These two women journeyed back to Bethlehem, and God took care of them. Ruth was able to glean in a field owned by a man called Boaz. Now, Boaz, unbeknownst to Ruth, was actually a uh, distant relative. He was actually connected to Naomi's family. And he became what's called as the Kingsman Redeemer. It's beautiful. And it's like Jesus. Jesus is our Kingsman Redeemer. And Boaz is a full picture of that because he purchased Naomi's land that belonged to her husband and he married Ruth. And they had a son, and it brought much joy to, to the mama Naomi. It's a beautiful story. And they became the great-grandparents of King David. How cool is that? It's amazing. She also becomes the daughter-in-law of Rahab as well. These women are, are very connected. And I believe we can learn from Ruth's life that God honors loyalty and devotion. The fourth woman, are you keeping up Okay. All right, in the lineage of Christ is Bathsheba. And I believe that Bathsheba leaves a legacy of redemption. Now, in many translations, and maybe yours that you have at home, it actually often doesn't mention Bathsheba's name. It will just have uh, the wife of Uriah. But in one of my translations that I really enjoy, the New Living Translation, it actually mentions her name. And I want to share that with you today because I believe her name is important. And I believe her story is important. It's told in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. So basically, David sees Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop, likes what he sees, takes what he sees, sleeps with her, and then kills her husband. I know, didn't I tell you? I'd probably close that one shut too. Um, so God was very displeased, the Bible tells us, with what David had done. And we learned that it is no good to hide our sin from God. And uh, Nathan the prophet confronted David, and it doesn't say, it more talks about David's repentance, but I would like to believe that Bathsheba encountered God and his um, redemption and his forgiveness with repentance. Can you imagine, like, the guilt and the pain and the confusion that they must have felt? But I'm telling you, God did not leave them in that pain and that confusion. He didn't leave them outcast. In fact, his redemptive grace restored them. I just love the end of the story. 2 Samuel 12, 24 to 25 says, Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan the prophet that they should call him Jedidiah, 
This is beautiful. It means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord commanded. And so Solomon was known as one of the wisest men of his time. And he continued the line of David. God is faithful to his promises. Even when we make mistakes, you know, what's important is a repentant and a contrite heart before God. Nothing we can ever do can separate us from God's love. And nothing we can ever do is beyond God's forgiveness. I believe someone needs to hear that today. Because he took Bathsheba's sin and her mistakes and her ashes, and he wrote a beautiful story. He wrote a beautiful story. You know, one of my closest friends many years ago, when we were living in another city, she had an affair with her work colleague, and it was devastating, and it was far-reaching, and it had consequences. But through my friend's courage, through her repentance, God forgave, and he restored her. And I know that she would agree with me that the lesson we can learn from Bathsheba's life is that God's grace is without limits. God's grace is without limits. And the last woman I want to share about today is Mary. Is Mary, and I believe that the legacy that she leaves is one of obedience. I've often considered what uh, qualified Mary to be the mother of Jesus. Like, was there a conversation going on like Job where it was like, have you considered my servant Mary? Mary is maybe no older than 14. She's a teenager. She's a handmaiden about to be married to a carpenter, and yet God chooses her. And I love Mary because she is a woman who said yes. She is a woman who served the purposes of God in her generation, and she served faithfully. She was willing to obey at a great cost to herself. When the angel explains to Mary what's going to happen in Luke 1.38, this is her response. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. We see her obedience again when Jesus is beginning his ministry and they're at a wedding and there's no wine, which is not a good thing. And she tells the servants, get the empty containers. And you know what she says? Do whatever he tells you. She was a woman laced with the, with the attitude of obedience and availability to God. And you know what? When we obey, that's not always easy. Just saying. <laughs> sure, sure, someone else has figured that out apart from me. God is looking for people who won't withhold saying yes, but sometimes that yes comes with some heartache and some challenges. Sometimes we face some trials along the way. Simeon, the prophet, when they brought Jesus to be dedicated at the temple, prophesied over Mary that a sword would pierce her very soul. She had to watch her son suffer and die. There's a beautiful song uh, by one of my favorite uh, singers called Laura Story, and it's called Blessings. Maybe some of you need to hear this chorus today. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are actually your blessings in disguise? But I want to tell you that although there were some heartache and trials along Mary's journey, that you know what? God blessed her, filled her with joy and salvation as she got to bear the Messiah, the Son of God, into this world. And I want to say to us today that I believe the lesson we can learn from Mary's life is that obedience brings 
the blessing of God. Obedience brings the blessing of God. And as the team would like to come, you know, I want to share a little bit, a part of Mike and I, our legacy. Maybe you're new here at Elam, and we're so glad you're here, but not all the time do we get to share a little bit of our personal story. And so if you haven't been here probably any longer than two years, you might not have heard this. Uh, Mike did allude last week that uh, when we wanted to try and start a family, we thought it would just be easy and it would happen quickly. Um, But unbeknownst to us, we encountered a 10-year journey of infertility and challenges. And through God's grace and the help of science, we were able to have our two eldest children through IVF. Such miracles and gifts of God's grace. And through our second cycle of IVF, we were blessed to have some frozen embryos. And we intended to use those embryos, but then our third child, Zoe Hope, just turned up out of the blue. I know, God is so good. And she's amazing. But I went through with my third pregnancy a really tough time. I struggled with depression uh, in pregnancy and afterwards. And to be honest, we moved up here while I was seven months pregnant. It just about took us out of ministry. But God is faithful. And so we knew that our family was complete, but we had a decision to make. And so our complicated little story of God's grace was connected with another couple's complicated story. There was a beautiful Christian couple who couldn't have their own biological children. And through a long process, if you'd like to hear um, the full story, it's called Extravagant Love. It's a message that I did. I spoke in Botany in January, so it still should be on the website so you can listen to it. But we donated our embryos to this couple. And they have gone on to have a two and a half year old little girl. And, and, there's an and, I know, can you believe? And they are pregnant again with another little girl. God is so good. Not only did He bless us, Mike and I, with three beautiful children out of our long journey of infertility, He took that blessing and He's used it to do a miracle in someone else's life. God is a God of the generations and He is a God of hope. You try being our children, explaining that to their friends. That's just a little bit complicated, right? And I share that because, you know, if there's not dysfunction in your family, there's probably complication because we're human. But you know what? God is a God of grace and a God that will, that if we surrender our lives to Him, He will work His grace and His goodness in our lives to be a blessing. So I want to encourage you with that because you might look at us up here and think that we don't have much, you know, going on in our lives or much complication, but we do. And you know what? This is our story, and it's our story of grace, and, and, and it's a privilege to share it with you. And I do so um, knowing that, that it's been a journey for me, but I pray that it blesses you. You know, some of you here can relate to some of these five women. Maybe it's Tamar. Maybe you've gone through pain and abuse. I'm so sorry. You've gone through rejection. But today is your day to put your hope and your trust back in God's court. He is good and He can be trusted and He will keep His promises. Maybe some of you can relate to Rahab. Maybe you've looked for love in all the wrong places. You know, I want to stand here today and, and let you know that your mistakes don't disqualify you. They don't. Your past does not have to determine your future. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. 
Maybe Ruth's story captures your heart. Maybe you've experienced the pain and loss of a loved one. Maybe you've moved to this beautiful country and you had to leave behind family. You've had to leave behind a culture and a way of doing things. And I wanna let you know that God sees your loyalty and He sees your devotion. Maybe you can relate to Bathsheba. Maybe you feel like you just your sin and mistakes are too much for God to forgive. Well, I wanna stand here and say to you that nothing is beyond God's forgiveness. There is nothing that can separate us from God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We'll say it again because people need to hear that. God's grace is limitless. And maybe some of you, you're walking Mary's story, one of obedience that might be just laced with a little bit of heartache and trials. I want to let you know that God sees you, that you are not forgotten and that He will bless you. God's grace is available to each one of us. These five women all experienced God's unmerited, unlimited grace. They were grafted into the lineage of Jesus. And I'm so glad that Matthew wrote their names in the genealogy in Matthew chapter one, because it's a legacy and it's a lineage of grace. And when you become a Christian, you don't just become a brand new person inside. You get to come and be a part of God's family. You get to come and be adopted as His sons and His daughters. And I want to end by saying that God's grace is available to each one of us. There's nothing we can do, friend. You might find yourself sitting here today and you're just like, Amy, I, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. I don't know God. Or maybe I once did. And maybe I found myself, you know, far away. I want to say that you draw near to God and God will draw near to you. He is here and He will meet you and He wants to come and save you from your sins. You know, it's our sin. It's the stuff, you know, dysfunction, complication that, that, that gets us in a place of distance. It's a sin that separates us from God. But Jesus loved us so much that He came fully God and fully man and He came to give His life on a cross. He died to take the punishment we deserved so that we could be made right in Christ. We could have a hope and a future. We could be part of God's family. And to all who believed Him, to all who received Him, God gives us the right. Isn't that amazing? To be part of His family. And I wanna extend an invitation to you this morning, as we always do, to come to know Jesus, to surrender your life to Him, to turn from your old way of living and know that God has a hope and a future. His plans are not to harm you. His plans are to give you a hope and a future. So what we do here at Elam is we just love to pray a prayer together. And three things will happen. When we pray, our past is forgiven. We get a new life in Christ today and an eternal hope for our future that when our time on earth comes, we will go to heaven to be with Him. And you know, it's the most wonderful and courageous decision and it's why it's called the good news. It's why it's called the good news. So come on, let's pray. I'd love to pray with you. And I believe that if you pray this prayer, you can pray it out louder in your heart that God will hear you and He will save you. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Saviour of the world. Today I make you Jesus the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me to forgive my sin. I believe you rose again to give me life. I receive this new life. Please forgive me. Be my Saviour and Lord. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. In Jesus' name, 
And with every head still bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, I'm so proud of you. But would you do one courageous thing? In a moment, I'm just going to count to three. And I'd love if you just pop up your hand on three and say, yes, Amy. I prayed that prayer because we would love to get alongside you and help you in this journey of following Jesus. So you ready? Number one, God loves you. Number two, he's got a great plan for your life. Number three, you can put up your hand if you said yes to Jesus all over this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. So good. Fantastic. Well, can I pray for you, Father God? I just thank you that you're moving in this place. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you afresh. We thank you that you're the God of the generations. Lord, and and Father, I just thank you that we can make decisions today that will impact the generations that follow us. Father God, I pray you keep us faithful and steadfast and loyal, Lord, to you. Lord, following you even when it's hard, Lord Jesus, and knowing that your grace Lord forgives us and we can start afresh. Father, thank you that you died, Jesus, so that we could enter in and draw closer to you. I just pray your blessing upon every person and every whanau here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much.